Hello everyone. Just before we get into the podcast, I want to give a trigger warning. We do talk about eating disorders and disordered eating. So if that is something that does not serve you today, please pause and either come back to it later or don't come back to it at all. That is totally okay. But for those who are going to listen, thank you so much for the support and I hope that you get something out of today's podcast. I'm so excited and hopefully I'll see you soon. Perfect. Okay. Welcome everyone to Unwritten. I am very excited to be here with two guests today, um, Shira and Tasha. Um, They both are basically members of and or founders of Living Proof MN, which is um, an eating disorder recovery um, nonprofit based in Minnesota. And I met them through reaching out to them over basically social media. And when I was struggling with my own disordered eating and eating disorders, and I thought it would be great to have them on here today to discuss their own journeys um, with eating disorders and how they decided to help others on their journey to recovery. So welcome to the both of you. I am so happy you are here with me today. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. But I would love it if you guys could introduce who you both are and what you think kind of your personal mission statement is. Okay. Um, I'm Shira Sharpentier from Bloomington, Minnesota, and also the founder of Living Proof MN. And... um, my personal mission um, is, hmm, put me on the spot. Okay. Yeah, I kind of asked a loaded question going right into it. Yeah. So <laughs> um, well, I think it's to impact the world and for people to realize that recovery from an eating disorder is possible when they choose to recover. Um, I'm Tasha. Um, I'm from Minnesota as well. Oh man, I feel like I could think of a million things that could go into one little statement, but um, I mean, I think like, you know, oh Lord, this is, <laughs> this is a really loaded question. Um, you know, not, like helping others realize this, realize that taking chances is worth it. And I think also, um, you know, that nothing is, nothing truly is impossible, no matter who says we can't or cannot, or tries to dictate our own path and that we have power of our own, over our own lives. And, um, you know, to really harness that, especially in times of challenge. Yeah. I love that. No, that's awesome. Perfect. I know that was, that was definitely, we came, we came out on strong. Um, but to, I guess, move on from that, what could you each also, um, if you're comfortable, share um, your own journey with um, eating disorders and then how you decided to 
begin recovery because obviously you need that is that is a choice you need to make um, to begin recovery and that how that journey looked like for each of you. Um, I can start. Um, my eating disorder, you know, really started in elementary school sometime um, and really lasted until I was 30 years old. And I think that for many years, my eating disorder served as um, a way to uh, kind of minimize the hurt that I felt inside. And it became sort of an outlet, even though I didn't really know about it at the time. Um, when I realized that I had an eating disorder, sort of my first year of college, um, I honestly was kind of surprised because I'd never had even heard about eating disorders. I never even knew anybody with one. Um, nobody talked about it. But I knew when I went to college and being around a variety of people, and especially not my family and not at high school, that my eating was not normal. And um, it just made me really realize, wow, I think my relationship with food and my body is not what other people are experiencing and that I don't have the best relationship with it and um, really made me question a lot of things about how I interacted with people, how I came across, you know, um, my values, all of those things. Um, you know, unfortunately my eating disorder really didn't get better until I made the choice to get better. Um, and it was a long road, but ultimately I think for me, I came to a place where I needed to make a decision. It was either I was gonna lose my life to the eating disorder or I was going to turn it around and, you know, become part of society and, uh, you know, a functional member. And I didn't really give recovery ever, like real recovery ever a chance. I never really wanted it until sort of that turning point for me. Um, but once I made that choice and that commitment, um, you know, it was really about re- training myself, rewiring my brain and building a new relationship with my, with food and my body. And that's kind of why I started living proof MN because when I left treatment, uh, for the last time and I decided to get better, I wasn't actually getting better at treatment, but I left to get better specifically. There was nothing else that I could get help from. And I created living proof, you know, in my pretty much like my sixth or seventh year of recovery and am now helping other people see that just because you've had any sort of for X amount of years doesn't mean that that's your like end of your story. And, yeah. you know, our goal is just really to inspire hope and to empower people to change. Yeah. I think that, well, even just so I mean, obviously we, we all met through one of the groups that you offer online, which I was super fortunate and like super fortunate that you guys offered them online because obviously we live in different countries and you live far, you live in Minnesota and I live in Ontario. So, but again, I, I kind of stumbled across, across it. I don't even know from 
just like from scrolling on Instagram. And I know even in the first few sessions we had together, just my mind just felt like every, every time I left, I was, I think you guys noticed, I was always saying, this is so crazy to me that I, and I'm, I felt, I was always saying, I don't quite understand because I didn't want to accept, I didn't want to accept a lot of, a lot of what was going on. And the same way that you say like recovery is a choice and what, what kind of, kind of resources are out there for people. I think you're, you're right. Even, even here, I find it's very hard to find adequate resources to continually support people because as you said it's not just that was once a part of my life that's a continual part of your story and something that is always going to be there um and so yeah obviously what you're doing has greatly impacted me and I think what what you're doing is incredible but I'll let Tasha go (laughs) you can share your story as well she is remarkable (laughs) yes Uh, Um, yeah, so I guess my story, um, you know, I grew up in a very disordered eating household and, um, I think not, I think it did feed into a lot of my beliefs around food, especially when I moved in to the teenage years. Um, I would say my eating disorder definitely started around age 11 or 12, but I think it really started to manifest a lot more in high school. Um, I mean, I grew up as an athlete since I was as old as I could walk and, you know, being in sports such as figure skating um, when I was a kid and then gymnastics when I was in middle school, high school, like very um, body focused sports. I, um, and I think the comparison trap and feeling different from my teammates was a huge um, contributor to how I developed my eating disorder or how it started to become me developing um because I was so much older than my other teammates that like my body looked different from theirs and it wasn't acceptable to me and um I didn't feel like it was accepted by anyone by my coaches or my parents even and so I started to feel like I had to you know restrict and stunt my growth to fit the standard of what I was supposed to be looking like or what um you know the expectation was for me Um, and then I would say when I got to college and I was on my own, like, I didn't know, especially growing up in the household I did, I didn't know how to eat normally. And so like being presented with all this food that I was never allowed to eat, like my body just like, like my brain wanted, wanted it. So I think it got really worse my freshman year, um, of, of college. Yes. And then, you know, I also did gymnastics through college. And so there was just ups and downs in that. And, you know, trying to be, again, comparing with my teammates, even though, you know, we were in college comparing with, you know, trying to make lineup, just like the pressure and the, um, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with like school and college. And I just didn't kind of know my purpose. And then, you know, once I retired from gymnastics after college, I felt like I just didn't have much. And that's when things kind of just got really worse and my exercise started ramping up. And um, I started just associating my whole identity and purpose to being an athlete. And I think that that was just kind of the socially acceptable term for my eating disorder is being an athlete. And I think what really got me to a place to choose recovery was I was so burnt out. 
And I realized that I didn't have much of a life to be living besides, you know, I, the things that I was most proud of was how many pull-ups or I could do, or how long I could hold a handstand. And the fact that that's how people knew me really bothered me inside. And I think that I didn't want, I, I didn't want it to bother me because it was something I thought I enjoyed, but I just got to a place that when COVID started that I just was going on and on and on and I just couldn't do it anymore. And when I realized like this was a bigger problem than I think I ever thought it to be, um, I put up the white flag and I was like, I can't, I can't keep living like this. And once I was able to start to accept the fact that like, I can't be living the um, identity of an athlete without being sick. And so, you know, I had to make the choice to let that go to, you know, start to rebuild my life and start to see what other things are out there besides, you know, CrossFit and yoga. And um, I mean, I came into living proof last May, which is when I, you know, started my journey to recovery. And that's how I started to get involved with living proof because I went through their program. And, you know, after being through the program and being so successful, it's just put me in a place where like, I want other people to experience the same. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that Shira has let me, you know, stay on and kind of help with the mission and build up like our community to reach as many people as possible. So. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, uh, the group that, that I was a part of was an athlete as an athlete group, I guess, for our audience listening. And I think it was very, you know, powerful that to, to have you there, especially to Tasha with your background in athletics, because it's, it's so hard, as you were saying for, cause I, as we've discussed your identity, like my identity if, as an athlete, a lot of the time is so, it's so intertwined as, to who you are as, as a person and as like a human being. And so, and sometimes it's still, you know, it often feels that way. Like, who am I if I'm not working out? Or who am I if I'm not being active? And to take a step back, and I think what, again, what we have, what we've discussed is that, you know, that's not all, that's not all you are, right? There's, there's more to a human being than the, how many push, how many push-ups or how many chin-ups or um, going to, go, going to classes. Um, and, also starting to see that the different aspects of your life that you think are that you think are helping you and are like are becoming their coping mechanisms for something else that's going on and I think that you know going and excessively working out or micromanaging what you're eating you're going this is because I want to be healthy or this is because I'm I'm doing the best for my body, but the psychological aspects of it is so different. And I think I, like, I was wondering if you guys, for, for you, when you're talking to people, what are things that stand out to you that you go, wow, you know, this person might not know or might not realize that they have like a disordered eating pattern, but I can tell, like, what are, what are some things that you find are common when you, when you talk to, talk to people? I mean, just the language that people use around food, you know, oh, I don't eat that food, or I only have that, um, you know, once a week on my, 
you know, cheat day, cheat day or my off day or like, oh, that's my food that I like, that's my guilty pleasure. I mean, I think honestly, just talking to somebody and carrying on a conversation, food always comes up and just referencing, we're just hearing people reference food in a certain way. Like, I mean, I know like what people with eating disorders, like how they talk, how they view food and that kind of thing. That for me is like the, the first, I would say first indicator that comes up that a lot of people are like, oh no, I've always done that. It works for me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, have you ever thought like, you don't need to, like, you don't need to punish yourself with food. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I don't know if people really understand in the beginning. I think, you know, like for me, it just took a long time to really grasp that I actually had disordered eating or an eating disorder. And I think that's probably the same for a lot of people. Like they've been doing it for long. It feels normal. Yeah. And I know that again, to go back onto the the experience that we had with each other, I would come and be like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm, my eating habits are totally normal. And you don't mean, you don't like, you don't like think about the next meal as soon as you just finished your last one, or you're, you're not like, you don't not want to eat chips because you think that they're unhealthy for you or whatever it is with Mm -hmm. like my own individual idiosyncrasies and it 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 really makes you reflect on wow like why do I feel that food is controlling my life and yeah I know again especially growing up in sport I am I, I think I was super fortunate with my coaching with like my coaching staff growing up and even in university that nobody has ever put that really intense pressure on me to look a certain way but again those those inputs from media or from friends or from social groups or just it's all it feels like it's always screaming at us that it's Mm -hmm. like you need to look this way especially as an athlete and I don't know if Tasha you felt the same way Mm -hmm. um or if you had ever felt like you had like people telling you you had a certain way to look or if it was more intrinsic Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had experiences, unfortunately, yeah. um, with coaches who, I mean, I had a coach my freshman year of high school who, you know, was, we were learning a new skill and he refused to spot me until I lost weight. Um, yeah. and he would put me, he would isolate me on like the single bar to do this one skill over and over again while everybody else was working upgrades. And it was just yeah. so like, I can't even explain how I felt because it just made me feel so horrible about myself um, that I think, you know, that those, that time I think is just stuck with me for so long as an athlete that like, this is who I am now. And so like, I now have to, I have to live up to the expectation. So I'm not isolated like this again. Um, yes. And I think I grew up also as with the twin And like her body was always a lot different than mine. And, um, you know, oh, everyone always knew me as the chunkier twin and, you know, the stubbier one. And I think after a while I started to take real offense to that and starting to implement like, you know, it's proven out there clearly that like, that's what the, the message in my head was like, oh, everybody around me is saying that I'm, my body looks this and it's wrong. So I feel like I need to change it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that, you know, 
comparison is is very dangerous in that way especially um as you because you're a gymnast uh, as you said that that's like very like it's like an aesthetic sport and I think that there's even statistics saying that in like in within sports especially like aesthetic sports which are like typically judged like the eating disorder rates are so much higher because you're consistently compared with with your peers and again everyone is so different and everyone's bodies are so different and grow and change at different times, especially when you're young, that it seems very, it, it seems very toxic and unfair to young children to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I guess on to the next question for, for the both of you, um, obviously you have found, found recovery and are continuing to choose recovery every day, but what do you think recovery feels like to you? If you could almost, if you could try and describe it, I guess. Um, I think for me, it's just absolute freedom and, you know, having my life not be consumed by thoughts about food or weight or, you know, the next time I was going to get to work out, like actually living a life that's accordance to my, accordance to my values and, um, you know, being able to go out to eat or just like not be able to have so much rigidity and it's crazy how much I like let my fears totally suppress my way of living but like my I I would say just recovery is just complete freedom from feeling so trapped for so long yeah yeah I definitely you know freedom comes to mind right away when I think about recovery. Um, I mean, it's really just having a life. It's being alive and enjoying, you know, waking up in the morning and getting to live the rest of the, you know, your time here and really enjoy and um, find the most, you know, things that, you know, feed your soul and like how you interact with other people. I guess my eating disorder just kept me so trapped and so isolated and, you know, just very, I mean, outside I had like the degree and I had the college education and I had the nursing license and, you know, all of that stuff, but I was so, I don't want to say exactly broken, but I was so hurting on the inside. And, um, today I, you know, my view of myself has completely changed and through the recovery process, um, just my whole view outlook on life is absolutely just 180 degree difference. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you would tell yourself who was struggling with the eating disorder and kind of at that point in time where you felt like you were your lowest what is something you feel like you would tell them now that you were in a place like you were in recovery oh man if only I could go back and have my 20s all over again I mean even my teen years like you know I was alive but I wasn't living and um gosh there's just so many little lessons that I've learned and realizing that I had so much power within myself to make changes, even though I wanted to pretend that I didn't. Um, 
and also thinking that, you know, my life was just meant for suffering. You know, I don't believe that anymore. That was a belief that I really had to work through. And if I could go back and just tell that, you know, younger self that, you know, I'm perfect the way I am and I'm going to find my place in this, this world. And, um, you know, I'm meant to be here for a reason. I think, I don't know if that would help me get out of the eating disorder earlier. Yeah. But, um, you know, it would maybe change my perspective on, you know, the years that I spent kind of dwindling away and kind of hiding from the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I think about, I'm thinking about like in terms of fear, like how much I let fear dictate my entire life. And I mean, if I could go back and say like, your biggest fears are act not, you can't predict the future. Your biggest fears are not actually going to happen like you believe they are. But I think if I go back to like when I was younger, especially in high school, I think the biggest thing that, I mean, again, I don't know if at the time I would, <laughs> it would change my ability to step forward yeah. in a recovery, but like, I think I would just so want her to know, like, I have, I hold so much more value than where I was at. And like, I have so much, but more hold so much more value than like my life as an athlete or as a gymnast or the way that my family viewed me. Um, and I might not be able to see it, but like come time and come patience, like there will, there's, you'll find the value in life and purpose in life than inside the four walls of a gym or the household yeah. of family when I was a kid. No, for sure. No, that, that is really incredible. And I know in talking, just talking with you, I, you know, you can, you, I feel like you can almost sense it. Like, again, you, you guys really, um, ha yeah, really lead, especially it, groups and what, what you're exuding into the world obviously is very, very powerful and very special. And the fact that you're like, so willing to share that with everyone is something I really appreciate and really helped me, um, through a lot, you know, that continual process of recovery and that continual choice you need to make. But I think that is really incredible. And so obviously you guys are continually helping people, but how does helping others recover from eating disorders inspire you to make further change? And is there something even within society that you wish you could, you could change or are currently kind of chipping away to change oh man we talk about this all the time yeah. you know like how can we most benefit you know the world and I mean the numbers of people struggling with an eating disorder are just astronomical and it they've just been on the rise especially with the pandemic you know I think a lot more people are coming forward um, just because they're realizing how disordered, you know, their life or their eating is. Um, and yeah, like I said, we talk about sort of the direction of living proof all the time. Um, I guess for me, I think really getting to new parents and, yeah. or parents that just recently, you know, have a young child mm -hmm. and educating or conversa having conversations around 
raising somebody in society today and the pressures of social media and you know that role of like um exercise and nutrition and being an athlete and all that like you know how do you raise a child that's well-rounded and that doesn't become their future Um, no exactly and I know that again my background in nutrition and dietetics I'm always like okay I have something for this but they even they even teach us in like with in classes the eating habits of parents and how parents talk to themselves and feed themselves like is the the single basically most the single greatest impact of how of a child's relationship with food growing up so how so how a parent talks to themselves how a parent um feeds themselves the a parent's um outlook of themselves Mm -hmm. is directly correlated to how um, a child is going to think of themselves so if a parent is constantly like being really negative towards themselves or not eating or has a negative relationship with food, then a child's going to emulate that because that's who they're spending a lot of their time with and who they're looking up to. And yeah, I think that is, that is so huge. So huge. And what, what are, what are things that I feel like I kind of just said some things, but what are aspects of, of kind of that, I was gonna say theory, but what are aspects of this change that you would would feel would impact children's lives, I guess, the most? I mean, I think it's one, eliminating the language of the diet culture language of like good and bad and healthy and unhealthy. And even like talking about food as like Shira said, like a consequence or talking about exercise as a consequence or a compensation for food. Um mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking just if a mom is standing in front of the mirror berating how her stomach looks, yet her three-year-old daughter is sitting there and now starting to process of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't like my stomach. So it's even like you saying, paying attention to like how you're talking about your body or even how you're talking about other people's bodies. Like I, I mean, I've seen so many people be like, oh, you don't want to look like her, like she's overweight or she's this or she's that and that's yeah. putting into a child's head that that is bad and yeah. you know I think getting new parents is just like being a parent is where you can make the most impact on having a positive body image for your child and positive 100%. self-esteem and where you can teach like all foods is good foods even when there's a society around you that's saying it's not okay but when you start implementing that at such an early age, it's, it's so I like, if there was a study to be done on like somebody who would like go through our like course <laughs> and somebody yeah. who did over the course of like 18 years and see how yeah. their children would turn out. I, I mean, it would be interesting to see like the yeah. different kinds of, you know, eating patterns and self-esteem confidence, what they would, what it would look like. Yeah, I I 100% agree. There's actually I I don't know if you've heard of Glennon Doyle before. Um, I also listen to her podcast. I'm not sure if you listen to her podcast. It's called uh, We Can Do Hard Things. But just a couple weeks ago, she did a podcast about her own relationship with her body, and she is very kind of vocal about struggling with um, bulimia 
growing up from a very young age and she had a question from this just really stood out to me she had a question from a, a mom saying to her um my like young daughter is a little bit overweight for her age and I don't know if I should basically let it go or if I should start kind of basically like maybe like restricting her food or you know talking to her about about her weight and she her answer I'm very much paraphrasing this but her answer was something along the lines of don't like all you need to do is like unconditionally love your child and teach her that she is enough just the way she is and there are so many children who you know they're still growing there's no need for for a a a kid like basically a baby to be losing weight and it studies also show that children who grow up in homes where they feel unconditionally loved and valued and supported are much more likely to um feel like kind of grow up without without having again like eating disorders or feeling like they're like I guess insignificant because even though they may let's say someone gets bullied at school but they go home and feel this this unconditional love and support from their family and the people who are closest to them then they know that they will be able to be more resilient moving forward and I think it's really interesting just the way that you know we're even talking to each other not even children but we're talking to our peers to our friends to um to anyone really how are we talking to each other because that impacts how people go through their day like why are we putting negative negatives into the world when we want to lift each other up mm-hmm. yeah I mean you know just even greeting people you know why don't you say oh my gosh it's so good to see you you know what have you been up to you know where have you been lately except this is what we hear wow you've gained you've lost weight oh my god what happened to you you don't look so good anymore you know like that's the first thing that a lot of people say when they're greeting somebody. Um, and that's, you know, we're putting the emphasis on looks right away when you could be focusing on the quality relationship that you're forming. Um, yeah. Kind of putting appearance before quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you think are some qualities that you think that you learned about yourself while, while, in recovery and and continuing like do you feel like you've like been like oh I'm a lot more artistic than I thought I was maybe even for you Tasha like I've been playing sports my whole life and I didn't know that I could paint like I I don't know or what are things that you've started to enjoy doing now that that's something that you may maybe have time or the capacity like the psychological capacity for Yeah, I mean, I think it's given me the space and the time to figure out what else is out there Um, because I was so tunnel visioned for so long that being an athlete was the only way to live that I didn't realize that there was a whole world of possibility. So I think this last year for me has just been all about curiosity and um, experimenting and like just trying to figure out like where my niche is. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be like the biggest thing I've learned is like, it's not one thing. It doesn't have to be one thing that, you know, I can be good at or that I, I might not even be good at, but I enjoy doing like, I think I just 
was so under the impression that like I had to, my identity was like one thing when it's like, yeah. that's not how you build, want to build. Like I, I realized that's not how I want to build my identity is being identified off of one thing. When in reality, I think like over this last year, like I've tapped into my creative side. I've like tapped into like my, you know, the things that I'm the most passionate that I've been finding that I've been the most passionate about. Um, I mean, it's given me the space to learn all about nonprofits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and just kind of taking in all the information, taking in information and lessons and everything that I don't think I ever, not that I don't think I didn't ever give myself the time and space to think about because it, it felt like it was either not an option for me or, you know, I, I didn't even, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And, you, I know. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, you're fine. Um, looking back on my recovery, you know, it's been several years for me. Um, I just remember sort of in that first stage, like feeling like I was alive for the first time and like seeing the world for the first time. And I don't know, there was just so many moments of like awe and inspiration and being like totally blown away by like just everyday things that I never really got to experience in my eating disorder. Um, you know, and now it's, I get to see other people starting to like enjoy that and like experience things and, you know, be in life in a different way. And I mean, that's been just so fulfilling to see, you know, share that experience and like, see them have that experience too. Yeah. That's amazing. And obviously I can vouch, I can vouch for that. (laughs) Um, you guys, yeah, definitely changed Jeff definitely impacted my life significantly. So I am very, just very, very grateful to both of you for that. And, uh, and I'm sure many, many other people as well. Um, so now just to kind of start to slowly wrap things up, I guess, um, I just have some, I call them rapid questions, but really it depends on, it does, they don't have to be rapid. It's more just some quick questions to finish it off. But who do you both feel are three people that have most greatly impacted your life? Well, I'll start. Um, number one is Shira, 100%. Um, I mean, she, I say that she was, she was the very first person who told me, like, I have the ability to recover. And like, not once throughout my whole time in treatment, did anyone say that to me? And so I think from just having her, having that hope for me to start, and then also having her as an example, and like that, she is living proof. <laughs> you know, and I think that was such a huge impact on my own recovery is having somebody who's been there and can understand where I'm at and can, and give me their like insight and, you know, straightforwardness about eating disorders and recovery, because that's ultimately like what truly, I mean, I tell her this all the time, but like, she makes me more like inspired and proud every day. Um, just by hearing her experiences. So that's one. I would say the other two would probably be, I had a coach growing up, her name is Brogan. And she was definitely probably the only coach that I had that was just like positive about everything. And 
really believed in my ability to do everything, even though I didn't believe her when she told me that, but like, she's just been a really rock solid person in my life. Even though we kind of don't see eye to eye on this whole recovery thing and exercise, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in a, in a different light, I think she's definitely been a rock, uh, pretty solid rock in my life. Um, I don't know. I would say just a third one was probably the Dean of her, her name's Patty Klein from Hamlin, um, who kind of really helped me get through some of the hardest times during my life in college and, you know, helped me graduate and helped me kind of get the, as much confidence as I could back, especially that the last two years of my, my, um, life. But I would say that those were my three people. Um, for me, I would say, um, my husband, um, I met him the day after I left the hospital for the last time. Well, the day after I left the hospital for the last time. Wow. And, um, I feel like that's like fate. I don't know. That's like, to me is just like, so I love those stories. I'm like, that is just, <laughs> it was like meant to be. It's like, like, what is it? Like they call like a meat cute, right? It's like you, you're just like, you've entered, you've entered your new life. And yeah. there he is. There he is. <laughs> I, I know. Like, I'm just like such a hopeless romantic. I'm like, oh, needs to be made in a movie. To, yeah, this needs to be a movie. <laughs> I, you know, I just I remember sitting in that hospital the last time, and it in the beginning of those, I think I was there for like 12 days. The last time, it was not pleasant, and definitely my eating disorder was, you know, definitely with me. Um, but it started to shift at the end. And the reason why I left that Friday was because I was going to this writing group on Saturday morning, which is where I met my husband. And I told my doctor, I'm like, I am recovering. And she's like, okay, Shira. (laughs) And I was like, no, really? I am I need to go to this writing group. Yeah. And she's like, I have a feeling. (laughs) Okay. Like if you say so, like, you know, my number, if things go bad. And like, she literally said that to me as I'm walking out, you know, but, um, honestly, like he has been, um, so inspirational in my life, you know, he understood me and he's had, um, you know, a, a challenging past as well. Um, and he saw like me beyond the eating disorder, you know, I don't even think that was really even a conversation. Um, you know, he never really saw me for being sick. He knew I wanted to get better and that was it. Like, he was supportive. Yeah, Yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, I would also say my therapist, one of my therapists, um, he was somebody that I actually looked up to and I wanted to live a life that he had. Um, and even though I was really sick at the time working while I was working with him, um, you know, he has definitely made a lasting impact and, um, you know, I just want to bring that empathy that he had to me, to other people. Yeah. Although I am pushing people a little bit more than he pushed me, but um, <laughs> anyway, in a good way. So it's all right. Yeah, in, in a, a, good, in a way. good way. And then lastly, that's I would good say, though. You know, we're um, all different. We all need different things. So oh, totally. totally. And then lastly, I would say my parents. Um, you know, we've had the our ups and downs um, throughout my life, and. You know, they're both very strong individuals, which is, I think, where I get my strength. Um, I, yeah, they, they set a very good example, maybe a little bit hard at times, Um, 
but um, the things that they have done their life and the passion that they have for their work and their family and just, yeah, it's, it, it definitely has been a huge inspiration for me. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I kept like thinking when I was like starting this, I was like, what kind of questions do I want to have to kind of like, kind of start to wrap it up? And every time, well, this is the second time I've asked this question because I mean, this, you guys are my third, my third, third and fourth, I guess. Yes. (laughs) But I love, I'm just like every, I'm like, I'm just loving it every time I ask it because I think it's so just the way we are all connected and the way that how like one person can impact you is just incredible like just absolutely absolutely wild and without even knowing it like it could be a, sometimes I'm like a stranger a stranger on the street could have an incredible impact on your life and they they don't even know it and obviously I mean you know your parents or your husband or your your therapist like they they might know that but but right, but even how they've impacted you and then you, you're you impacting my life or you're impacting Tasha's life. It's so incredible to see what you've learned from them and how that can translate into into others, other people's lives. So yeah, I that's awesome. And then I guess for the last thing is what is a goal that you each have for this next year or what is a goal that you have for living proof in the next year? You can answer both or one. Either awesome. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> ah! uh, we're at like an awkward phase right now where we're trying to, you know, we're figure revamping things. Okay. So we're revamping things and trying to figure out which direction to steer into. Okay. Uh, but it's a work in progress. So what about you like pers- like about you personally? Maybe that one's easier. I don't know. Maybe you're just steering yourself in a different direction. I'm not sure. Or just like, let's, let's, yeah. I mean, I think for one, like trying to impact as many people or inform and educate as many people as possible about eating disorders, especially in a semi post pandemic world where, you know, the rate of eating disorders have just skyrocketed. Um, I, I mean, I think I've become very passionate about getting education out there because so many people can have an impact on, you know, identifying an eating disorder at an early stage where they're not going to, their brain is still developing and they can get, they can get help and in recovery before adulthood. Um, Yeah. And I think that goes along right with, you know, just a single person in your life can have so much impact. And I think the, the more education and the more, the more these things are talked about, the more people feel comfortable talking about them and it could be someone who's maybe not a huge part of your life but goes hey I see you I see that you might need help I'm here for you and honestly that could be that could be it that is, it could be something that changes someone's life mm-hmm. yeah Do you have anything yeah else? I just t- kind of took that away but anyways I was just going <laughs> <All right. laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think my goal for Living Proof is probably similar to that, um, you know, finding finding our way in this, you know, sea of people to educate and uh, make aware and inspire change, I think is, is a huge one. Um, personally, you know, the last two years we've been doing this live-in program and it's been exhausting and I've given everything that I have 
and yeah. you know, we're phasing this out our live-in program um, at the beginning of next month. And honestly, I'm really excited to just have more time for myself. Yeah. I think I um, kind of uh, strayed a bit from my own heart. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I think that's what I'm looking forward to next this in this next year is um, just coming back to myself a little bit more. Well, that's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that, that you're following what feels right for you, obviously. All right. Well, I was just going to say for me personally, I think I've kind of started to realize um, how much I like being able to just help athletes on mm-hmm. a level of their like just building confidence for themselves and like teaching them things that I wish I would have received as an athlete or even like teaching them that there's purpose outside of the sport. So, I mean, it's, it's been a day, but like just even being back at work with, with working with my high school kids and being even able to impact them, I think has, I, I want to be able to see that in my future as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, that's awesome. To think about. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, these, these I gave you guys some pretty loaded questions. We started off strong and I just felt like we keep kept going. Um, but yeah, I guess that, that was it. That was for us to wrap up. But again, thank you both so much for giving me your time tonight. It was incredible to talk to you. I hope that we have provided everyone with some good insights, some good questions. And obviously, if anyone um, is, has any questions, um, both Tasha and Shira, I'll tag you guys and in, in all the posts and stuff for anyone who is feeling like they need support as well. Because obviously, you have, again, as I, I'll reiterate, you have greatly changed my perspective and really helped me. And I hope you will well I know you will continue to do the same for others but yeah I think I think it's just amazing so yeah thank you again so much yeah thank you for yeah, having thank us you so much we're excited for your new podcast yeah <laughs> thank you yes like subscribe and listen everyone <laughs> <laughs> thank you